I hope you will take your Bibles and turn with me uh, to Jeremiah 29 as we continue uh, our summer vacation uh, here at Valley Creek. Obviously, a lot of folks are out traveling these days on vacation. Some gone even uh, on this Father's Day weekend to see their fathers maybe out of town. But as we're on our summer vacation today, we're going to visit another place. And, and I, I want to begin by just asking a question. If, if I were to come to you and say, you have won a free vacation to a foreign country, would you want to go? All right, well, for example, if you want a vacation to England or Australia or Spain or Italy or France or Sweden, would you want to go to those places? You want a free vacation. How many of y'all would take that? All right, you go, right? Absolutely. I wonder if I said, okay, well, this free vacation you've won, it's to North Korea or it's to Russia or Cuba or China or how about this? You've won a free vacation to Iran. Would y'all want to take me up on that offer? <laughs> not, not as many takers, right? You're going to say, no, 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 I think, I think I'll pass on that one, right? There, there might be a few that are the adventurous folks that would say, okay, no, I'll go ahead and go. But most people would say, no, I have no desire to go to those countries. They, they are dangerous places, especially for Christians, and they are the enemy. And I wonder if I took that a step further and said, it's not just a vacation you're going on. You're going to North Korea. You're going to China. And it's not just a vacation. You're going to live there for the next 70 years. How would you like that? I mean, first of all, we'd have to live that long, right? But if that was the case, my guess is most people would say, no thanks. I mean, I definitely don't want to live there. If that's how you feel, then you might get an idea of what the situation was like in Jeremiah 29 for the people of Israel. You see, on our vacation today, we're going to a place called Babylon, and you have probably heard about Babylon, I hope, from studying your Bible, but if not, most of us have at least heard about Babylon from school, right? We've heard of Nebuchadnezzar and some of those different leaders in Babylon. When we visit Babylon, as we're going to read here in Jeremiah 29, you need to understand that the children of Israel found themselves in Babylon at this time, and they weren't happy about it. They weren't happy about being there, and when you understand the reason, you'll understand why they were not happy. The people of Israel found themselves in Babylon because they had disobeyed God, and as a result, God allowed them to be taken captive and sent in exile from their homeland to the land of Babylon. Here's what we read beginning in Jeremiah 29. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exile and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So here we see in these opening words that this is the words of Jeremiah the prophet to the surviving elders of the exile who were in Babylon. I mean, it tells us in these words that the, the people were living in a difficult situation. In other words, they were not in their homeland. They were exiles and, and, and who'd been in this situation a while because these were the surviving elders. But since these are the words from the prophet Jeremiah, we can know that these are words of God and these are words of the Lord. And being words from the Lord, we must pay close attention to them. In fact, as we look at these, we'll see several important things. First one beginning in verse 4, look at what it says there. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. As we read here, what we're going to discover is we're going to discover the providence of God. Okay, now, if providence is an unfamiliar word to you, it simply means this, that God is in control. And he's not just in control, he is in control of all things. Did you notice here in verse 4 that God said that I have sent into exile? I mean, that's very important. 
For the children of Israel, they could have looked at their situation and questioned God, maybe saying that God didn't exist or that God wasn't in control or that God was limited in his power. Even though the exile was clearly a punishment from God, the people had a hard time understanding it that way. They, they felt immune, in a sense, to difficulty as the children of God. They thought, surely, if we're God's children, then God's not going to let us suffer, right? God's not going to put us in a foreign land if he is in control. And so with these words from Jeremiah, God was making it clear that he was in control, that their time in Babylon wasn't a mistake. It wasn't about their bad luck. It wasn't about their enemies being stronger at the time. It was about God being at work and having a plan for the exile's life. He was doing something in that particular time, in that particular place, and with that particular set of circumstances. What God was doing was refining his people, and he was calling them back to him. Here's why we must recognize God's providence, because the truth still stands today that God gets us where he wants us, when he wants us there, and how he wants to get us there. You hear me? God's still in control. You may look at your life and look around and you say, God, why am I here? Or you might say, God, 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 why do I live in this community here? I'm going to say, to answer all those, because God wants you there. When you look and say, God, why am I living in these trying times, which we're living in? It's because God determined that now would be the time that you would live. This would be the set of circumstances in which you would have life. I know that because Paul made this truth clear when he proclaimed about God in Acts 17. He said, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places. You see, I hope you got that. God determined when and where you would live. You are not an accident. You are not here by chance. You are where you are because God wants you here and he wants you there right now. In fact, we might quote from the book of Esther, for such a time as this. Even if you say, well, I choose where I live, well, you can be certain that if God wanted you somewhere else, that he could get you there, all right? God can get you somewhere else if he wants to. He can open doors. He can close doors. He is more than capable of guiding you in ways that you don't understand. Now, in case you're wondering, why am I making a big deal of this? It's because within God's providence, we're going to see something else. God's providence, he's in control. And so within his providence, we will also see the plan of God. You see, God has a plan that he is wanting you to carry out. You know, I mentioned a little of God's plan for your life last week. I hope you remember this. When we saw how God has called us to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Do you all remember that? All right, you remember that? Jonah said that too at South Wilson, all right? We're reminded that we are a, a holy nation. We, we are a priest, all right, for God, all those things. We are to live for God. We are to bring him glory. Well, here in Jeremiah 29, we're going to see another aspect of God's plan for our lives. Some of this is going to get pretty specific because look at what he says in verse 5. He said, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare, for, for you will find your welfare, right? For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. I want you to understand what God is saying here. Because you can read this and you can say, well, what you're telling me is God just wants me to live life, right? I mean, he wants me to build a house. He, he wants me to plant a garden, all right? He wants me to give my daughter away in marriage, right? He wants me to do all those things, right? That's what God, he's asking me to live life. But let's remember the context. Let's remember the context. The children of Israel are not in their homeland. 
They were in a foreign nation, a place where they most likely would rather not stay. Their initial thought would truly have been, how quickly can we get home? But God says, I have other plans for you. One thing the Israelites could have said was, we don't want to get involved in what's happening in Babylon. We don't want to get messed up with the people of the land. We're just passing through, and hopefully it will not be long before we're home. But God said just the opposite. God says, I have plans for you. God says, get involved, build houses, live in them. Don't stay uncommitted. In fact, look specifically at verse 7 again, where God says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. In fact, let's break this down for a moment and consider what God is telling the children of Israel. He is really telling them to fulfill the plan that he has had for them all along. Let's go back for just a moment and let's think about what God first said to Abraham back in Genesis 12. The formal name for that passage in Genesis 12, we call it the Abrahamic covenant, is when God came to Abraham and gave him both a mission and he gave him a promise. Let's look at it together. He says in Genesis 12, 1, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be, what? Blessed. Notice it started with, go from your country. In other words, he was going to be in an unfamiliar place, all right? But God was sending them to that unfamiliar place. Does that sound a little familiar? Sounds a little bit like Jeremiah 29, does it not? God says, and I'm going to make of you a great nation. I will bless you. And then the next part says, you will be a blessing. Those you bless, I will bless. Now, here's what we like. We like the part where it says we're going to be blessed, right? How many of y'all like to be blessed? Right? We do, right? We all say, oh, I, oh, surely I like to be blessed. But here's the part that we forget. We often forget that we're called to be a blessing. Ultimately, if you read all of the scripture, what is clear is that God's plan for Abraham was that he would make God known, that his life would bring glory to God, that all he did would make God known. There are so many similarities to what God told Abraham that we cannot overlook what God is saying to the people here in Jeremiah. Yes, they were in a foreign land, but God was telling them to to be a blessing while they were there, to bless the nation so that in the end, God would be glorified. And let me say this, the charge that God gave to Abraham never changed in the history of Israel. When, When the people of Israel found themselves in bondage in Egypt and God delivered them from bondage, do you know what they were supposed to do? You want to know what they were supposed to do? They were supposed to go into the promised land and in the midst of ungodliness, they were to shine for God. Y'all remember that, right? They were to go and they were to shine for God in the promised land. They were to live for him in the midst of a land where the people were serving false gods. But what did the people do? Instead of living for God and helping these foreign nations come to know God, they instead became like these nations. They asked for a king like the other nations. They often began to worship the God of these foreign nations. That is, in fact, what God sent them to Babylon, where God's plan was this, to call them back to fulfill his mission, his plan, and having the nations worship him. Now, how did God tell them here in Jeremiah that they were going to do this? They were going to seek the welfare of the city. I know I've read this twice. Let me read it again. Verse 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. God said, seek the welfare of the city, for in it you will find your welfare. 
the people could have easily looked and said, we don't want good for Babylon. In fact, we wish Babylon would suffer. But God said, seek its welfare. When the people probably wanted to say, we want bad to happen to Babylon, God says, pray to the Lord on its behalf. He wanted the people to live for him in the midst of ungodliness, knowing that their lives lived for him would bring glory to him. And today, quickly, I want this to become very relevant to all of us in this room this morning, because let's be honest and admit this. We, too, live in the midst of ungodliness. Do do we not? And we can take different approaches. Here's what some people want to do in the midst of all this ungodliness. They want to retreat. Because here's what we can say is, well, well, let's just come into our holy huddles. All right, let's just come into church and let's just be together. Everything that I do, I want it to be with my church. Everything, every activity, I want to be with my little church group. I want it to be with all these people that I know from church. I don't want to do anything outside of church. I want to be here. Let's come away because clearly I want people to know we're not of the world. So we're going to separate ourselves and we're going to keep to our own, right? Some people do that. What do some people do? Others just give in. They decide, you know what? Living different is just too hard. And so what they do is stop fighting the battle. And so they go out and they just live like the rest of the world. And you can't tell them any different from where people who are in church or not church because they've just decided we're giving in. But here's what God would say to us. Don't lose sight of the fact that you are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Don't forget you are different Don't forget you're different, but go out and bless your community. Go out and seek its welfare. You know, last week I read a couple of verses from 1 Peter 2 to show that what God was saying to the people on Mount Sinai applied to us. And so today I go back to that same passage. I'm going to read two more verses that will show us what God is saying to the people in Babylon is the same thing God is saying to us today. Look as I read 1 Peter 2, this time verses 11 and 12 remembering that these words are being spoken to believers in Jesus Christ. These are words to Christians. First, he says, verse one, beloved, or verse 11, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage against your soul. All right, let me pause here to simply point out something. What are believers called in that verse? We are called sojourners and exiles right? Sojourners and exiles. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ in this world, you are an exile, right? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through, right? Did I get that right? You music people, did I nail it, right? I nailed it, okay. We're just passing through, right? Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your home is in heaven. So we're exiles. We should, hear me, we should feel like exiles in this world. You should feel out of place. You should be in a battle for your soul. It is why first we are told here in these verses to abstain from the passions of the flesh because in this world we are tempted to live like the rest of the world. Like the Hebrews, we are tempted to live like those in the promised land. We Christians, listen, are tempted to live like the rest of the world. But God says you're exiles, you're sojourners, you are to be different, right? But Peter goes on in the next verse to tell us this. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good, what? Deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. In other words, we should live in such an honorable way that even when people speak evil of us, it doesn't stick because they see the way in which we live our lives and they're filled with good deeds and our lives glorify God. You know how we feel this? Fulfill this? You wanna know how we fulfill this? We seek the welfare 
of the city. Right? Think about this. A few weeks ago, we had VC Go. You know what that was about? You know what VC Go was about? Seeking the welfare of our city. Days like that are part of being the church, being involved with our community to make it better. It is the church taking a moment to make sure we are involved in our community. However, you want to know when VC Go should be? Yeah, every day. VC Go should be every day. It, it, it is a church every day going out, living for God as, the, as our church family, as fulfilling our calling by God to seek the welfare of the city. Listen, we are doing VC Go every day. Look, VC Go should not just be something we do in a church context or that we do as a part of a church project. It is something that each and every believer should do every day. VC Go happens as those who are in the medical field go to work every day and give their best care possible, seeking the welfare of those who are sick and hurting in our community because a healthy community is a better community. VC Go happens as those in our church family who work in the schools, work for the welfare of the students, helping them to learn and grow academically and socially because an educated community is a better community. VC Go happens as those who are farmers work hard every day to raise crops or livestock or poultry to feed those in our community because a fed community is a better community. Amen? I thought at least y'all say amen to getting fed, right? VC Go happens as those who work in factories producing goods for consumers work at producing the best possible products available because a community whose needs are met is a better community. VC Go happens every day as people who are business owners operate businesses who employ many people in our community, paying them a fair wage because a strong and cared for labor force makes for a better community. VC Go happens when judges and lawyers help see that justice is served in our community because a community where justice for all rules is a better community. VC Go happens when those who are in the political arena help lead and legislate in a way that seeks the good of all because a community governed well is a better community. VC Go happens as those who coach sports teams, coach with integrity and passion and treat athletes with respect because a community that exercises well and does that in a sportsman-like way is a better community. VC Go happens as parents invest in their children by having family meals together, by praying together, by going to church together, by having fun together, by serving together because a community with strong families is a better community. I don't have time to keep going this morning, but I hope you get my point. Do you get it? You get the point, all right? God wants us to serve him wherever we are and with whatever we do because it is not really VC Go that should happen every day. It really should be about the people of God every day going out. It's not about Valley Creek. It is about the kingdom of God as God's people are on mission every day, right, to seek that he gets glory in this world. Are you with me? The sentiment is echoed in Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for who? The Lord and not for man. See, see, I would maintain that we should rejoice when people surrender to ministry. It is a big deal. But hear me this. More than that, what God wants is people surrendered to him fully. Because you know what? God has called each and every one of us to ministry. Right? 
You are as much a minister as I am, all right, or any of us, because God has called us all into ministry. And the kind of ministry that we do, it truly varies. But whatever we do, we should do it for the Lord and point people to him because people take notice. And it truly gives Christians an opportunity to, to share Christ when we're out there and we're seeking the welfare of our community. See, here's my prayer. My prayer would be that the world would see Christians not just by what they are opposed to, which is often what they see us as right. But instead, we are the people who are the most passionate about our communities. And we're most passionate about seeing our communities do well. See, I would challenge everyone here to find a need around you and go work to meet that need in the name of Jesus Christ. Also, whatever you do, wherever you work, let's give, let's give testimony to God because it's not just about doing a good job. It's about letting the world know why we're doing a good job and that's to the glory of God, amen? Now, I know there are a few who would say, but the world is coming to an end and so shouldn't we just be, we shouldn't be getting involved in the community. Shouldn't we be preparing for the Lord to come, right? Well, let's remember this. We don't know when the Lord's gonna come, do we? But what we do know is while we are here, we should seek the welfare of our community. There were prophets in Jeremiah's day that were speaking evil against Jeremiah. God had told Jeremiah that this exile would last 70 years. That's, again, about the length of a generation. And we don't know what these false prophets were saying. Maybe they were saying it wouldn't really be that long. Jeremiah was lying to you. Or maybe they were saying what Jeremiah is saying is not true. I'm not sure. But right after he tells the people to seek the welfare of the city, here's what we're told in Jeremiah 29. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. So we have to be careful who we listen to, do we not? You know, many people even today are being led astray by false preachers and teachers proclaiming things against God's word. And so if you ever hear a preacher or a teacher that tells you not to seek the welfare of your community, then you need to know that they are not speaking for God, for we are all called to seek the welfare of the city, and in so doing, we gain the opportunity to share our hope in God, to share, all right, that God is the one who drives us, that God is really the one who cares. And I want you to think about this truth, all right? Why do we do this? Because God demonstrated this first, did he not? Did he not? Th think about this, okay? All right. Jesus Christ, what did he do? He stepped out of heaven and he came to earth. What did Jesus do while he was on the earth? Anybody know? What did he do? He, y'all should kind of get along. He sought the welfare of the city. Did he not? What did he do? He walked around, he healed the sick, right? He fed people. He, he taught them, all right, morals about how to live for God. He did all those things, right? Yes. And then he ultimately taught all of our best welfare by doing what? Dying on a cross for our sins. He sought our welfare. Jesus is the one who set our example, right? He, he did all these things first. And we should be driven by the fact that because he did it first and he sought my welfare above all, now I should be doing what he says and seek the welfare of those around me. Seek the welfare of my community in the name of the Lord who died for me. Now, as we do this, here's something we need to see. We need to see the promise of God. He, he will see some very familiar verses, but maybe you can see them a little differently this morning. Listen to Jeremiah 29, 10, and 11. 
He said, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Look at verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, many of us have heard verse 11 before many times, have you not? How many of you have heard that verse many times? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. We quote that, and we quote it saying what? We believe that God wants to bless us, right? And people do that saying, oh, things are going to go great for me because God knows the plans he has for me. Everything's going to come up great. Everything in my life is going to be awesome because God knows the plans I, he has for me, right? But did you notice something? Did you notice something? Think about this. Did you notice that when he gave this, he gave that promise in light that there was going to be 70 years of exile, that things weren't always going to come up rosy? Is God working in the difficulty? Yes. Is God going to bless in spite of the difficulty? Yes. But there would be difficulty. In fact, the point I want to get you to remember more than anything else this morning is this. It is the Lord's plans that succeeds. God says, I know the plans I have for you. And here's where we are most in life. We are seeking our plans. Right? Right? We're seeking our plan. We feel like we know what is right. We feel like we know what our future should be. We need to be always asking God, God, what is your plan? For it is the Lord's plans that exceed, even at times if those plans mean difficulty. See, one of the reasons that it is so important for us to seek the welfare of the city, because at times what God is up to is unknown to us. But as we do, as we seek the Lord's will, or we seek the welfare of the city, doing what God shows us to do, here's what we'll discover, that God's plans will prevail. In fact, I would even say this to our young people today. As you're considering what you're going to do in life, don't just be thinking, what can I do that will earn me the most money? Don't ask that question. Because let me be honest with you, there's many people that ask that. Many of them get more money. We stand back and we look and we say, I wish I was like them. I wish I had their life, but you don't know their life. And if you knew your life, you'd probably be saying, I'm glad I don't have their life. Right? Because they sought after all that stuff and that stuff never satisfied them. It just left them empty. What I'm going to say to all the young people today, don't just be asking the question, what is going to make me the most money? Here's the question you ought to be asking. God, God, what can you use me for to benefit the welfare of my city? And as you answer that question, what you can discover is that God will use you in mighty ways. And as you seek the welfare of the city, that is where you will discover your welfare. In other words, here's what you will discover. You will discover what is best for your life. Amen? Therefore, here's what I want to leave you with this morning. This statement, live on mission where God has you, knowing that his plans succeed. See, let's all be determined today to leave this place, serving God in whatever we do, seeking the welfare of the city for God's glory, and let's see how the name of the Lord spreads. Let's get involved and help turn around a school that might be struggling. And so when people ask, well, why did you go in there and help that school? We can go in there and say, because, listen, Jesus died to rescue me. Right? 
Let's work to meet the needs of the homeless in our community. And when people ask, why did you do that? We can say, because God calls us to love others as he loved us through Jesus Christ. Let's, you go ahead and fill in the blank, but let's go out and seek the welfare of our city and find opportunities in the process to give glory to God, the glory that he deserves. And so let's all be determined today to live on mission where God has us knowing that his plans succeed. Are we ready to do that? I hope so, all right? Let's go out and bless our city and see how God will bless in return. Let's pray. Father, we bow to your presence today. And again, we do thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We know there's times I think we feel like the people in Babylon did and we feel like we're in this strange foreign land as well. And Father, we thank you that you're there and that you have brought us here and our time and our place is no coincidence, Lord. It's you working in our lives to have us where you want us when you want us there. Help us now, Father, fulfill your call to go out and to seek the welfare of the city. And I know in this place with varied people, Lord, what you're calling us to do will be varied. There's many places you want us to go, many things you want us to do, but you want us to do all of them in your name. You want us to go in all these places and to be a shining light for you. And so my prayer for your people this morning is, God, that you would help us Help us, Father, to resist the temptations that are out there, as we are told. But, Father, at the same time, let us, help us to go out and to live for you and let our good deeds shine so that the world might know that you are real, so that the world might know that you are good, and so the world might know that there's a God who loves them. And so, Father, this morning, as we come to this invitation, speak to our hearts. You know what you're calling different individuals to. You know the tasks that you have in front of us. And I pray during this invitation time that, Father, we would take the charge and be ready to leave and to go and to bless our community. So we give this invitation to your loving arms. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen.